This message is brought to you by Twelve Stone Church. Please enjoy Pastor Trey Hildebrandt as he delivers the week two teaching from the series, Hearing God's Voice. Please enjoy. Hey, 12 Stone, so good to be back with you guys this summer. Hasn't 12 Stone summer been awesome? You guys been around? Uh, maybe, has it been awesome? Uh, come on, meet me with something. I know I'm not the normal guy, but help me out a second. Uh, you know, I, I've loved that we didn't uh, uh, lean back this summer. We didn't just cruise, but we leaned in and what God's been doing has had great impact. And today, we are in the middle of these last couple of weeks of 12 Stone Summer as we are asking the question of how do I hear from God? And, and even if you have never asked the question quite like that, you've had moments in your life where you've wondered about what would God's leadership, what would his guidance, what would speaking, what would God speaking be like? And our hope today is that you would leave recognizing the voice of God and more importantly, knowing the voice of God in your life better than ever before. But to help us get there, we thought it'd be fun to start with a little bit of a game because it's so interesting to me that there are some voices that you, can, uh, you cannot even see the picture of the person with the voice and you know exactly who that person is. They're so unique, their voice is so famous that you can pluck it out and know exactly who that voice belongs to. So we're gonna play a clip and when the clip finishes, I want you guys to let me know who that voice belongs to. It's gonna be a famous voice, can you do that? All right, let's do it. Play the first clip. For millions of years, they have made their home on the darkest, driest, windiest, and coldest continent on earth. Who is it? If God had an audible voice, which he does, he gave it to Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Play the next clip. Get to the chopper! I'll be back. Hasta la vista, baby. Who's that guy? Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor himself. All right, play us another clip. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. A little more difficult. Who's that voice belong to? Liam Neeson. I now feel like I have the proper dose of masculinity to teach today. All right, got one more voice for you. Take a listen. Hey, uh, if anyone's interested, I have some incriminating evidence. Just hit me up. Who's that? <laughs> you don't recognize that voice, do you? Two syllables in, though. I not only recognize that voice, I know that voice. That's my dad. <laughs> he doesn't have any incriminating evidence. But you know, when you, you realize something, when you hear a famous voice versus a voice that you, you, you have a connection to, that there is a difference between recognizing a voice and knowing a voice, isn't there? And many of us, we come to God and we want to be able to pick out his voice 
like we would pick out a familiar famous voice. We wanna be able to recognize it by its tone and by its tenor and by, and by its sound waves. And the reality is God communicates with us very differently. His voice doesn't quite come to us like that. But just like I know my dad's voice, that it's deep and it's personal and it's emotional, we think knowing God's voice is similar to that. It's similar to knowing the voice of someone you love and to someone who loves you. Last week, uh, Sean taught us, he began this conversation of what does the voice of God sound like? And and he said this last week, but I wanna uh, throw out this quick qualifier again today. When we say the voice of God, we're not necessarily talking about what our, our ears can actually hear audibly, though I do believe God could speak that way if he so chose. But the way God normally communicates with us is through impressions and thoughts and internal leanings and whispers and prompts and ideas and discernment and affections and desires, right? God normally communicates deep into our being and he moves us in our emotions, not through necessarily the audible sound of his voice. The tension, though, that I think we exist in today is many of us come to God looking for his voice and we want it to be much more than what it typically is inside of us. And we come to God and we want his voice in the midst of of maybe something like like this. You're in the middle of a storm in life and, and you feel like a ship without a sail or a rudder and you're thinking, I need the voice of God to let me know how to get out of the storm and so you seek his voice. Or maybe uh, you're at a crossroads in life and, and you have a big decision to make and so you go to God for his specific guidance and his direction uh, through that decision. And we, and hear me, we do need God's specific direction in our lives through the midst of storms or in seasons of great, of great decision making. But what if the key to knowing God's voice was not just listening for it in the times that we think we need it the most, but what if knowing God's voice was how we search for and know God himself? What we do is we take it out of a transaction and into a relationship. Let me illustrate on the board. This is how many of us communicate with God and how we want communication with God to work in our lives. We start out by seeking God's voice. God, I have a big decision to make. I need this, I need you to show me this. And so we say, I need God's voice in my life. And we pray something like, if you, God, if you would do blank, if you would show me if I'm supposed to take that job or, or marry that person, or God, if you would make me healthier, if you would fill in the blank for the condition that maybe you've come to God needing his voice with, and the assumption is that if God is speaking with us freely, that that builds the relationship. But I think this is much more transactional than, I, than God often wants to communicate with us. And what I mean by transactional is you have this if-then statement type of thing happening. If God would give me his voice and his guidance, then the relationship would be healthy. But what if God flips this and there's a better way to communicate with him? I think it is the exact opposite, where we start with the relationship. We pursue God himself in relationship before we begin to actually seek his guidance. And so what happens is it looks more like if we, 
You see the difference? This is about our investment back into our relationship with God. Is our relationship with God growing and are we getting closer to him, the person of who he is, his character? And then as we grow closer to God in relationship with him, we become more sensitive to his voice. And we're more prepared to hear his voice when he speaks and when he leads. This is relational. This is transactional. And that's where God wants to take us today. The first teaching note in uh, your notes today is knowing God's voice is relational, not transactional. God wants to build this, this, this friendship, this relationship with us, not just swap things for us. Because what happens is we often come to God and we want access to his guidance like, it's like he's a spiritual slot machine. So we pop in a quarter of prayer and we say, all right, God, give me that nugget of wisdom back. And we expect it to come like that. But, but you see, we begin to know God's voice, not when we chase after his voice, but when we chase after God, the relationship. And that's the key to today's teaching. There's a common metaphor, there's a common image in scripture that I think is gonna be really helpful for you and I to understand the voice of God. It's simple. God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. God's our shepherd, we are the sheep. You're welcome. You're a sheep today, so hold that identity closely. You're a sheep and God is our shepherd. And we look in John chapter 10, it's gonna be the main passage of scripture we'll be in today. John chapter 10, it's page 1075 in your worship center Bible. In John chapter 10, we see Jesus say one of his seven I am statements in the book of John. And here Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The scripture is teaching us that Jesus, he is our good shepherd. And that title for Jesus uh, is one of the most endearing, intimate titles in all of scripture. Because even in the Old Testament, centuries before Jesus Christ comes, the Old Testament is teaching us that the Messiah is going to come as a shepherd. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23, I will place over them one shepherd. Micah chapter 5, verse 4, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Not to mention a famous psalm that even if you're not very familiar with church, you've probably heard Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. So our knowing and recognizing the voice of God is rooted in our identities of shepherd to sheep. Remembering that knowing God's voice is relational, not transactional. We're gonna look at John chapter 10. We'll start in verse three, look at two verses. Key, I think a key passage to hold in your heart, to hold in your mind as we work through this entire teaching. John chapter 10, starting in verse three and four. I'm gonna actually put it on the screen because I, I want you to see some of the emphasis. Starting in verse three. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. It's his own sheep, his own sheep. They, they know his voice. And we get this sense that the shepherd to sheep relationship is not even just the sheep belonging to the shepherd, but there's this, there's this deep emotional friendship. There's this connection between God as shepherd and us as his sheep. And I want us to get the, the right image in our minds because when Jesus taught this a couple thousand years ago in ancient Eastern Jewish culture, the people listening to Jesus teach would have uh, immediately connected with the imagery of shepherd and sheep. Not only was shepherding important to the economy at the time that this was taught, but they would have even connected the idea of shepherd to leadership. 
whether politically or, or even spiritually. And, and so we, we have to, to understand how when Jesus begins to teach that immediately people have the right image in our minds, in their minds. Well, we don't, we don't interact with a lot of shepherding much, so I thought I'd, I'd show you an image that would help us better understand what I'm about to read in John chapter 10. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus essentially paints this picture of shepherd, sheep, sheepfold. Shepherd, sheep, sheepfold. And here is what an ancient Eastern Jewish sheepfold might have looked like. It's where they've stacked stones and there's an opening here where the sheep would be put inside of the sheepfold, specifically at night. And the shepherds would, would herd their sheep into the sheepfold and then they would lay across the opening at night to guard the opening from sheep getting out or, or enemies getting in. And what I found interesting as I was reading about some of this is shepherds would often share a sheepfold with their flocks of sheep. So you'd maybe have three shepherds and put all of their sheep into one sheepfold. When I think about that, I'm thinking sheep are kind of notoriously dumb. So, so wouldn't, wouldn't sheep kind of miss out on, on who their shepherd is if we just mix them all together? So did they just divide it evenly when they get done? Like those are my sheep. But I, I started reading and what was so interesting to me is sheep can get so connected to their shepherd's voice that in the morning when they rose, the shepherd would stand up and maybe if you picture this, the three shepherds kind of stepping back into an open space and they would start calling for their sheep and the sheep would assemble themselves around the voice of their shepherd because the sheep know their shepherd. One Bible co uh, commentator named Philip Keller said it like this. He says that sheep knew the voice of their shepherd so well, the tenor, the tone, the sounds, that even when somebody tried to imitate the voice of their shepherd to try to maybe even steal somebody else's sheep, the sheep could tell a phony from what was real. Sheep know their shepherd's voice. And as it pertains to our relationship with God, being a sheep is what human beings were designed to be. Sheep by their nature need a guide. We hear God because we were designed to hear God. You were designed to hear God. The tension is, that many of us are struggling to recognize and know the voice of God in our lives, aren't we? There's a breakdown in how we receive it and recognize it and respond to his voice. And today, I believe it's often because there's a breakdown in the relationship. So I wanna, I wanna hit on a couple of reasons why this relationship might be broken down a little bit. Uh, this will hopefully be a little fun and practical for us, but the first idea is simple. One of the reasons we are struggling to hear the voice of God is because we have better relationships with other voices. We have better relationships with other voices. There are so many voices in your life. We live in a, a, a noisy, loud culture, don't we? The comings and goings of life. We are a busy people. You have to manage job life, office gossip, home life, and news media, and entertainment, because God knows that Netflix and our Amazon Prime shows have a voice in our lives. You have to manage church, and, and God's voice, and, and social life, and friends, and even internal conversations with yourself, and the voices compete with each other, and you have voices here, and voices there, and you're busy, and it's noisy, and there's voices, and there's voices, and sometimes I just want to shut them all down. Silence. It's awkward, right? <laughs> I have this thought, quick heart check for all of us. If we can't handle a couple of seconds of silence 
it becomes difficult and awkward, then I wonder if we have too many voices coming into our lives. And I look at a passage of scripture like Psalm 46 that says, be still and know that he is God. And I'm reminded that stillness and knowing God and my relationship with God are connected. That there's so many voices that keep me from slowing down and being still and knowing God. And today we hope that you would connect that, that how you process the voices in your life help build and know the relationship with God. And let me continue to pick on this idea just a little bit further. Let me pick on one specific piece of our lives that I think are keeping us from hearing God's voice. It involves this guy our phones. Now, I have an iPhone. I'm a little bit closer to the Lord than any of you that have Androids, and that's okay. That's okay. Divinely inspired is what I hold in my hand. I'm just joking. But think about it. We are so absorbed and connected to our phones. We have to check our phones for emails and texts and Facebook and Instagram and social media and probably some apps that I'm not even cool enough to know about. And I'd contend that we're addicted to this. And here's how I know. I bet some of you, if I were to do a poll in this room of how many of you have already checked your phone, emails, texts, or social media since I started preaching. <laughs> Anybody, any bold people? I won't be upset. I'll be honest with you. I wanna check my phone right now to see the score of the Open Championship. I wanna check. But the problem is it steals, these type of smaller voices steal so much from us. Can I confess to you that I struggle with this? That I, my, I just asked my wife, I struggle to put my phone down, I struggle to limit my connection to other voices. And hear this, when we can't lead ourselves to limit the influx and influence of less important voices, the relationships attached to the most important voices struggle. Did you catch that? When we can't lead ourselves to limit the influx and influence of lesser important voices, i.e. my phone, then the relationships attached to the most important voices struggle. Quick example, when I allow things to trump the voice of my wife in my life, my relationship with her is gonna struggle. The same is true with our relationship with God. This is just one example. Don't get fixated on the phone example. It's just one example of some of the reasons we miss the voice of God in our lives. The good news is, I think scripture can take us somewhere. The good news is, once we understand that the strength of the relationship and knowing the voice are connected, we can take steps to better knowing God's voice. So let's look back at John chapter 10 as we use the image of the good shepherd to give us some clues about hearing and knowing God's voice in our lives. So we're gonna show the... Uh, all the teaching notes at once and then we'll work through them together. The first big idea, we wanna know the good shepherd's voice. Three things about the good shepherd's voice. The character of God's voice is love. The certainty of God's voice is his word, the Bible. Third, the capability of God's voice is restoration. Character, love, certainty, his word. Capability is restoration. Let's look at these one by one. The character of God's voice is love. John chapter 10, starting in verse nine. I'll read several verses here. I am the gate, it's Jesus. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. 
The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is love. Some of you don't hear the voice of God because it sounds like love and you've always expected it to sound like judgment frustration, or even wrath. And when you hear the voice of love, you assume it's not God because your expectations paint a picture of God as being, the, as being angry first. Like he's only the angry parent or, or he's a judgmental test giver in the sky. And you think that, that at the end of the day, God is sitting in heaven grading you on your performance. And so you sit back and think, I pray I passed today. Maybe God gave me a C minus. And if we're honest with ourselves, though, many of us, we sit back and we think, I bet God failed me today. And so when you hear the voice of love, it surprises you because you expected God's voice to be harsh and judgmental. But God teaches us something about his voice. John chapter 10 teaches us something different about God. As I've already mentioned There's this comparison throughout the entirety of scripture of us and sheep. And it's a good comparison because sheep are defenseless and in need of the care of a shepherd. John Wesley says that sheep, uh, humans like sheep are prone to wonder and they need to be found and brought back into the sheepfold. So let me unpack the heart of the gospel for just a moment. The heart of the gospel, the thing that gets us here. The Bible and and experience teaches us that we all wander away from God. This is sin. Sin is choosing a way other than God's way. You may have heard this referred to as lost before. People are considered lost because they have wandered away from God. And yes, sin does anger God and justice is coming against every sin. But God, one of the most incredible phrases in all of scripture is, but God in his love chooses to interact with us with grace and forgiveness. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that God would never interact with us with a voice of firm, tough love that's convicting because he will. But just like a good daddy can scold his child in love for doing something wrong, our heavenly father can be firm with us because of our sin, yet still carry a tone of love. And this is so important to knowing the voice of God. Knowing this difference in God's character is crucial to hearing his voice. Because today might be the day that you look to God and sense love for the first time, and that might be the first step to hearing his voice at all. This is how it applies. Let's apply this really specifically to recognizing and knowing God's voice. You saw that in the scripture, specifically in verse 10. John 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we wanna be able to recognize the voice of the enemy as much as we recognize the voice of God. So if you feel leanings inside of you or you get counsel from someone that tears down, destroys, belittles or condemns and does not carry the tone of love, that voice does not belong to God. Did you catch those? 
If the voice tears down, destroys, belittles, or condemns, it is probably not the voice of God. And John 10 speaks to this distinction between the voice of the thief and the voice of the good shepherd. So I thought it'd be helpful to just walk through some real life examples, some real life examples of what the the voice of the enemy might sound like. You ready? So when a voice says, pull out in front of that car and drive under the speed limit, it's not God. When a voice says, eat more kale, Brussels sprouts, or spinach, it's not God. When a voice says, I just got clapped for that, I love that. McDonald's afterwards for all of us. Um, when a voice says, post an angry opinion on Facebook, it's not God. When a voice says, cheat on a test or lie to get a leg up at work, it's not God. When a voice says, flirt with someone other than your spouse because it's not a big deal, it's not God's. When a voice says that you aren't worth loving, it's not God's. Or when a voice says that you are better than somebody else because of your wealth, race, position, success, or influence, it's not God's. So we slow down and we start to listen to God and we pick out the leanings and the convictions that give life and renew because God's voice will always lead you in love. Don't miss the key of John 10. Hear it again. The good shepherd always lays down his life for his sheep. You know the heart though. You know the heart. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is love. Our wondering has led us to needing a savior. And Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, lays his life down and he takes our punishment in our place in order to save us. So if we trust him, believe in him, and place our faith in Jesus, we are saved, we are found, and we are brought back into the sheepfold. Today, I have a question for you. Quick, are you one of God's sheep? Maybe you don't recognize the voice of God because you don't know God. And today you could make a decision to say yes to the love of God and become one of his sheep. And he saves you and he brings you back into the sheepfold. Don't leave today without talking to a pastor here or someone you trust and maybe praying even to wrestle down saying yes to the love of Jesus. That's the first thing in knowing his voice. Have you even started a relationship Because if you're expecting just a transaction, it has to begin with a relationship. Have you said yes to Jesus? The next thought, the certainty of God's voice is his word. John chapter four and verse 27. I'm gonna read two verses real quick. John chapter 10, verse four says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes out ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Skipping over the next page to verse 27. This is from the perspective of Jesus. My sheep listen to me they know my voice, I know them, and they follow me. As I was reading through John chapter 10 this week, I was struck by how certain and how clear those words are. They know me, I know them, they follow me. Not sort of, not eh, not when I feel like it, but, but they follow me. And I believe that it's this type of certainty in knowing God's voice can only happen through a daily investment in the Bible. The Bible and reading it is where learning to hear the voice of God moves from a mystical, confusing pursuit to something tangible and real. 
Because God speaks most clearly, most certainly, and most accessibly through the Bible. And it's important to also know that God never says anything contrary to what has already been revealed in Scripture. God's truth in the Bible, we believe, is sure and final and secure. I'd say it like this, though. Here's where the tension happens. God's revelation in Scripture is greater than our personal feelings. And that's tough because where we, where, where we get caught up in life and trying to hear from God and his guidance is we get swayed by how we feel even if we find scripture that might teach us otherwise. And so we, we kind of package that scripture up, move it to the other side of our brain and we begin to focus on the scripture that we like. What you and I have to be able to do is weigh these out. Which one of these carries more strength in our decision making, our personal feelings or God's revelation in scripture? And uh, you know, just to be very honest, one of the things I see with, with so many people, and even in my own life, is we'll be begging God for direction on something, and we want to sift the, 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 the feelings, we wanna kinda decipher even some of the guesses of what God's voice might be saying, when the reality is we don't have to guess or decipher because God has already written what we need to know in the Bible. The problem is, we often are trying to decipher something very, very specific, like, um, God, should I take that job or not? What college should I go to if you're a student? Uh, where should I spend my time? Or maybe you're, maybe you're a woman and, and you have two men to choose from, so you're begging God between Jeff and Sam. I don't know. And you're trying to process the really specific things. The problem is scripture doesn't necessarily bring the specifics that you're oftentimes looking for, but the good news is it always builds the principles and the values inside of our lives to make the decisions that best honor God. The Bible will always be central to a life that is led by the voice of God. There's no alternative to this. You may, you may get a godly leaning here and there, but for consistent and daily leadership from God in your life, you will need a personal commitment to the Bible. The Bible is my starting point, it is my finishing point. It is the final authority on matters of faith, doctrine, life, and God's speaking. It is the trustworthy and reliable source of truth. If you don't know that, well, you can investigate. The Bible is so well supported and is worthy to be trusted. I wanna give you just a couple of quick thoughts, encouraging thoughts about you reading the Bible in hopes that tomorrow morning you'd wake up and you'd wanna crack open your Bible. The first thought is this. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. We think we go to the Bible for information about God, but I promise you, if you open up the Bible and begin to read it, something begins to stir inside of you. Here's why. The same ancient, or the same uh, Holy Spirit that inspired ancient writers thousands of years ago when they wrote the scripture is the same Holy Spirit that moves inside of us when we read the scripture. The Holy Spirit is on both sides of the equation. Hebrews chapter four says that the Bible is living and active. The apostle Paul says that scripture has been God breathed in 2 Timothy chapter three, which means when you open up your Bible and begin to read it, you are, you are inhaling what the Holy Spirit exhaled thousands of years ago. And something of passion begins to stir inside of us when we begin to read it because it is alive. And when we interact with scripture, something begins to stir. For me, that happened my freshman year of college. Uh, I moved to Valdosta State University. If anybody ever goes down there, it's below the Nat line. God help them all. Humid, hot. I went to Valdosta State and I moved into a dorm and loved the experience there. Uh, you know, just something special about living in an eight by eight cell and, and sharing bathrooms with 40 other men. But 
I was invited into a Bible study by a guy named Brett. And I had moved to college. My family loved God, had me involved in church, but I moved, I moved to college very numb in my faith, very numb. Really no expectation, no expectation to live out my faith in, in college. Brett invites me into a, to a Bible study and he would begin to prepare us for that Bible study each week by, by writing out these Bible studies and slipping them under our dorm room door three or four times a week. So three or four times a week, I'd get a document from him that had this written on the top of it, TOG, time alone with God. And he'd write TOG across the top, he'd give us a passage of scripture, ask some questions about that passage of scripture, and then we would begin to, 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 to read it together, and he'd also ask us to write out a prayer. And over the course of that semester, learning how to read the Bible and to get time alone with God unlocked something in my faith where the Bible had once been deeply, uh, 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 kind of, I'd only categorized it as information in my life. It had moved to transformation. And you realize that the reading the Bible is deeply important to building the relationship with God. It's not this transactional thing. God, if I read my Bible today, then I'm going to have a good day. That's how a lot of us think about the Bible, but you begin to know God as you read it. It moves from relation or from transactional to relationship. And, and I begin to know the voice of God by reading his words in scripture. And so when I hear my, like when I hear my dad's voice, play that clip again. Hey, uh, if anyone's interested, I have some incriminating evidence. Just hit me up. Don't hit him up, but... You get the idea, I, I recognize and I know his voice and that happens when we begin to invest in scripture. You begin to know his voice. The next thought is we never get to the bottom of the Bible. We never get to the bottom of the Bible. It is timeless and timely. I have been studying scripture for years now and if you allow it to breathe new life in you, it always will. There's something fresh and new from God's word every time we step towards it with intentionality. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. You grab your Bible and you flip page in and page out and you look at it and it wears down, but as your Bible wears down, something begins to happen in your heart. Something begins to change. Quick challenge. To be a student of God's voice, you must be a student of his word. So study it. Study God's word. Invest in it. Take a step towards it. Let me give you a quick, quick way to think about your step towards the Bible. Think two words, simple and intentional. Simple and intentional. You don't have to be a scholar tomorrow. You don't have to have all the answers to all the odd stuff in the Old Testament. You don't have to have all of that figured out. But take a step towards the Bible. I cannot overcommunicate to you the value of learning God's voice in prayer and study through the Bible. Maybe you wanna start by getting a plan. I know I knocked on the phones earlier, but download the Bible app. There's hundreds of plans. Just close out all the other apps while you're reading the Bible. And you'll see that taking intentional and simple steps towards God through his word will build the relationship with God. And then his voice, his voice from scripture and his voice through the leading of the Holy Spirit, you become much more sensitive to it. The last teaching point, the capability of God's voice is restoration. 
the capability of God's voice is restoration, the power of God's voice. What God's voice is able to do is restore a broken relationship to him. Let's skip real quick to the end of John chapter 21. End of John chapter 21, uh, it's page 1089 in your worship center Bibles. Let me set up what's happening. Jesus is sitting down with Peter and Jesus is leaning on the shepherd illustration that was certainly familiar to Peter to restore Peter to relationship with Jesus. Because what had happened, Peter had denied Christ three times on the night of Jesus' ex, uh, execution, the night of Jesus' crucifixion. And Peter runs from Christ, leaves a, a life of purpose and mission, goes back to fishing. Jesus, of course, the grave was not final. Jesus rises from the dead and he goes and he seeks out Peter to restore the relationship. Let's see what that conversation went like in John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. You hear the theme of shepherd and sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter's life was broken. He had denied Christ, run from Christ, left a life of great promise to fish again. Jesus, though, in his power, in his love, seeks to restore the relationship with his broken disciple. And I wonder if Some of you in here today feel too broken to be restored into a relationship with God. You feel like you have too much in your past. You feel too distant from him and you're even wondering if God would ever want a relationship with you. And the encouragement is not only does he want a relationship with you, but his voice is capable to call you back to it. So Jesus sits down with Peter and he asks him three questions. I love the refrain of those three questions. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Because what Jesus is doing is he's placing the power of the, restor- of the restoration back into love. Because here's what Jesus was not asking Peter. Jesus was not asking Peter, uh, hey Peter, are you gonna do better next time? Hey Peter, are you not gonna screw up anymore? Hey, Peter, are you gonna check off all the religious boxes a little bit better? That's not how God was restoring the relationship with Peter, was it? Jesus was boiling down the relationship to love. And maybe the the, the capable voice of God in your life today removes some of the periphery decisions that you feel like you need to make. God, his voice, the first thing it's gonna do is fight to restore the relationship with you. And the good news is it can be restored. Because Peter, is, is, he comes back to relationship with Jesus. Jesus gives Peter great responsibility. That's what the whole feed my lambs, tend my sheep is. Jesus is saying, not only are we restored, I'm gonna give you the responsibility of the good shepherd to take my love to other people. So Peter carries that responsibility, the restored relationship, and he goes on to help start the Christian church, which we're still a part of today. And when Peter writes 1st and 2nd Peter, the books of the Bible that he's famous for, look at one of the titles Peter uses for Jesus. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned. You've been restored to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You can be restored to God today. And this restoration is not just a transaction. It begins with investment in the relationship The good shepherd has laid down his life for you to open the door to the relationship. We take steps towards God. So as 
we get ready to pray and as campus pastors get ready to come up across the campuses to, to, to pray and end the service, I wanna point out to you an important shift that I hope happens today as you begin to hear God's voice. I think there needs to be an important shift. For some of you, you came in here today and you may have thought of God as a shepherd. You thought, all right, he can be a shepherd in my life. Maybe you're here today and you realize that God is the shepherd and he is singular, he's the shepherd. But there is an important thing that happens in our lives and as it pertains to us hearing God's voice when he is now no longer a shepherd or the shepherd, but Jesus turns into my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Do you know his voice? Let's pray. So Father, across the room, we pray that uh, we would know your voice, Father. That we would know your voice, not because we got good at praying or some skill of deciphering your leanings, Lord, but because we know you and love you and we rest in your love for us. The character of your voice is love. The certainty of your voice is your word. You're strong and sure. God, and the capability of your voice is restoring. So God, would you restore us to yourself? And out of that relationship, would we hear you and know your voice like never before? Thanks for loving us, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.